You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. The very next breath that I take is because he says so. He is my life. When a person is saved, he or she is described as what? Being in Christ. Romans 8.1, now there is therefore no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in, in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things are new. In today's message, Pastor Dave will talk about the many blessings that Christians receive by being in Christ and allowing Christ to be in them. Through Christ, we can be made into new creations, free from the sin of our old selves. And part of that freedom from sin is there is no more condemnation for us. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 15 as he continues his message, Abide in Me. He says this, writing to them, he says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I believe this was Paul was talking about. Paul wanted to be found in Christ. He wanted to be found as a believer in Christ, never wavering, constantly trusting, constantly faithful, giving up everything for Jesus Christ. He wanted to be one as known as trusting in Jesus, depending upon his grace for everything. Remember, in in Corinthians, he says, I've done more than them all, speaking of the other apostles. He said, but not I, but the grace that dwells within me. He was trusting in God's grace. He knew it was God's grace that brought him where he was, and he knew it was God's grace that would take him further. He was trusting in that, and that is what abiding looks like. Never stop trusting. Never stop believing. Never stop persevering. Even in the resurrection, hallelujah, and even in the suffering. Yes, even in the suffering. And this is what abiding looks like. This is what abiding looks like. And we studied this at great length last week. But what happens if you don't abide? What happens if you don't abide? And we come into the new verses. Verse 6 says this. If anyone does not abide in me... He is cast out as a branch. He is withered, and they gather them, and they throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Uh These are some pretty heavy-duty verses here. Let's go on to verse 10. No, okay, anyhow. Let me clarify something real quickly. Jesus is not speaking about your position of salvation here. 
He is not speaking about your position of salvation here. Your salvation has been secured on the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not speaking of salvation. He is speaking about your fruit-bearing life. He is speaking about your fruit-bearing life. A branch only has life if it is connected to the stock of the vine. A disciple only spiritually lives as they are connected to Jesus. But there is a danger in not abiding. Why do I say that? I didn't. Jesus did. So you, maybe there means you don't abide. He says, if anyone does not abide. Jesus brought it up. I didn't. So that must be a fact. Someone might not abide. What did Guzik say? Got to use our theologian here. Quote, these verbs describe a progression for the one who doesn't abide. Cast out, withered, gathered, thrown, and burned. Like all other parables, the picture of Jesus used here was not meant to describe a whole theological system. Yet the progression described is a sober and significant warning of the danger of not abiding. Jesus told the disciples, I'm departing. Yet they would not be disconnected from him. He promised them the Holy Spirit. That the Father would send them the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would keep them connected to Jesus. If they were disconnected from him, they would be in ruin. Perhaps Judas. The phrasing Jesus is used here is extremely important. He didn't say, if anyone does not bear fruit, he's cast out. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out. Why? Jesus knows who's abiding in him and who's not. Jesus knows who is abiding in him and who is not. Jesus knows which one of you has made a true profession of faith and which one of you is just a poser. Jesus knows. The emphasis is plain. The branch must remain connected to the vine or it has no life and is of no lasting good. We've already seen that when abiding in Christ, there will be fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. But yet there seems to be another reward. There is another reward for abiding in Christ. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. He spoke of this concept before at the dinner. Remember in chapter 13 and 14, he spoke of this same concept. Abide in me and my words in you. Jesus is connecting the idea of faithfulness to his words that he previously mentioned in chapter 14. Part of abiding in Jesus is being faithful to his word, reading his word, studying his word, meditating on his word. This is the character of a disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student, one who follows hard after the Lord Jesus. He says, ask what you desire. Jesus connecting now the abiding to the idea of answered prayer. He mentioned this in John 14. The great Spurgeon says this, quote, Prayer comes spontaneously from those who abide in Jesus. Prayer is the natural outgushing of a soul in communion with Jesus. God created you for fellowship with him. God wants nothing more than for you to fellowship with him. Part of the way we fellowship with him is prayer. Prayer is a communication skill. It is a dialogue, not a monologue. It's a time when you talk to God and wait and listen. And then he speaks to you through his word or whatever. 
But it is communication. Communication is what makes this relationship. It's what it's based on. So as we commune with Jesus Christ and abide in Jesus, he leads us to an enhanced and enriched prayer life. When you're abiding in Jesus Christ, sorry guys, you're not going to ask for the Mercedes. You're not going to ask for the Lamborghini. You're not going to ask for the palace thing. What are you going to ask for? You're going to ask for those things according to the purpose of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with if you have owned a Mercedes. I'm not coming down on people who own Mercedes. I'd love to have one myself. There's nothing wrong with it. I think it's great. Praise God. I think it's wonderful. I think it's beautiful. Praise God that you have that. But you know what I'm trying to say here. When, when you pray, you're going to pray in God's will according to your will. In other words, Lord, what do you want? What do you want me to pray for? I want to pray what you want. Not what I want. Well, gee, uh, we're going to come to it. Jesus in the garden. Lord, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. That's the example. That's the example of an enriched prayer life. And while you are abiding in Jesus, you, it outgushes of you. You want to pray. You want to fellowship with the Father. You want to do that because it's, it's your nature. It's who you are. It's your new nature. And you want to do that. And it's exciting when you do that. And he says, you'll ask anything according to my will, and I'll accomplish it. And here, in verse 8, comes the big reason as to why we want to abide in Christ. To glorify the Father. By this... My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I love this. When we we abide in Jesus Christ, we produce much fruit. The Father is glorified. The main objective of abiding in Christ is fruit, which glorifies the Father. That fruit looks like people coming to know the Lord because of your life. Because of the word that dwells so richly in you. For what is oozing out of your body as you talk to them. As you live your life in front of them. They're so attracted to what happened in your your life. They're so attracted by that that they want it. They want it. And you get to tell them how it happened. You get to tell them about Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. So once again, what does it mean to abide in Christ? We're back to that question again. Remember, to abide is to live, continue, remain. To abide in Christ is to live in him and remain in him. He becomes our life. He is the only reason I'm living. He is my life. The very next breath that I take is because he says so. He is my life. When a person is saved... He or she is described as what? Being in Christ. Romans 8.1, now there is therefore no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in, in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things are new. When a person is saved, they're held in a secure, permanent relationship. You can find that in John 10.28 and 29. The phrase abiding in Christ pictures an intimate, close relationship. Like I said, not some superficial thing. Jesus tells his disciples that drawing life from him is essential. And using the picture of the vines united, the branches united together. Without that vital union, there can be no life. 
and there definitely can be no productivity. Maybe the best way to interpret this metaphor is this. Jesus is the true vine, obviously. The branches are those who abide in him who are truly saved. They have a real and vital connection to the Savior. The withered branches who do not abide in him are the unsaved pretenders who feign an attachment to the vine but draw no life from him. In the end, these pretenders will be seen as for what they are. Hangers on and there's no authentic attachment to Jesus. My examples, Peter and Judas. For three years, they heard the same thing. For three years, they were identical. You couldn't tell one from the other in their walk with Jesus Christ until the end. Then they both went different ways. Peter was attached to the vine, so attached that he came back. Judas was not attached to the vine, so he hung himself. Let me go one step further. I'm drawing this from the gospel, not from the gospel of John, but I'm drawing this from one John, John's first epistle. Listen to what he says in 1 John 2, verse 14. He speaks of this very thing that I just talked about. 1 John 2, 14, or 19, excuse me. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Quite clear. The scriptures are quite clear. There are proofs of abiding in Christ. What are some of the proofs of abiding in Christ scripturally? Obedience to Jesus' command. John 15, 10. 1 John 3, 24. Following Jesus' example, 1 John 2, 6. Living a free and and from habitual sin. Living in the freedom that Jesus Christ gives us, 1 John 3, 6. The awareness of the divine presence within your life, 1 John 4, 13. But keep in mind several keys as we try to wrap things up here. Keep in mind several keys. Abiding in Jesus means his life flowing through you. Changing you into a different character, one that thinks and acts like him. Abiding in Jesus means a changed life. Back at the thrilling days of yesteryear in your life. Look at where you are today. If you are abiding in Jesus Christ, there is a change. There is a change. In fact... I'll even go so far as there should be a change from last year to now. Always growing, always moving forward, always going closer and closer, always maturing. If you're at the same level, you've fallen behind. We always need to move forward. We cannot stagnate. We've got to move ever forward. The more you abide, the more you wish for what Jesus wishes for. The more you abide, the more you want what he wants. What does God want? What is God's perfect will? That all the world would be saved. That everyone would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That everyone would come to repentance. The purpose of abiding is twofold. It brings glory to God 
and the proof of, to the world that God loves people and that God can save them because they look at your life. Sometimes, most of the times I'm going to say, your life is better than your words. People look into your life and they see something. How come you don't do that anymore? You used to hang with us all the time. Your mouth was like a sailor. No offense, Navy guys. You used to talk like a truck driver. No offense, truck drivers. Look at you now. You don't even cuss anymore. You used to do this. You used to do that. But you don't do it anymore. Don't you like us? Got saved. Praise God. And my buddies that I hung around with. And I was not patting myself on the back, but I was the leader of the pack. You want something to be done, you came to me and we did it. You know, okay, I was the party guy. We did all kinds of crazy things. But I got saved and I stopped hanging around with them. And the first thing they wanted to know was, what's wrong with you? What did you do? So one time, B and I said, okay, we'll go with them to, a part, we'll go with them to, a, to an event. And it happens is that the fabulous Grace Band was over at the old Wildwood Convention Center. The old Wildwood Convention Center. So we went with them. And there was drinking and stuff. And B and I were having a great time. We weren't drinking. We were just having a wonderful time being there. Music, B loves to dance. We were having a great time. One of the guy's wives comes to me, grabs me, and pulls me on the dance floor. And she goes, what's wrong with you? Why have you changed? I went, what do you mean? You mean because I'm not standing on the table, yelling and screaming and howling, telling dirty jokes, being a drunk? Why I'm not making passes at everybody else's wife? You mean something different? What are you trying to say? Yeah, something's different. I know. It's that church. It's that church you go to. I said, no, you don't understand. It's a person I'm attached to. It's Jesus Christ. They left us. That was it. That was it. And they never came back. They never came back as our friends, ever. Oh, we talked to them from time to time, but they never came back. See, that's... Giving glory to God. That's fruit. Showing God in your life and people recognizing it. People seeing it. They may not understand it at first, but the more it happens, they're going to want it. They're going to see it. He says, abide in my love as we move forward. He says, abide in my love. And he gives the new commandment, abide in my love. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. This speaks of such a closeness in our relationship. It's very similar to what Jesus and the Father had. Remember Jesus? I and the Father are one. We are tightly knit. We're tightly together. You can't tell the difference between me and the Father because we're one. When we're abiding in Christ, people shouldn't be able to tell the difference. People shouldn't be able to see where you leave off and Jesus begins. They can't tell the difference because they see Christ in you. The hope of glory. May I say, the only hope. The Father told Jesus what to say, what to do. And he did it. As we enjoy the, this relationship, we, we can hear his words better. We can hear his things better, and we obey his command. The kind of love that the Father and Jesus have, it comes through us, and it transforms people. It transforms their lives. When they look at us, they want it. Abiding is an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. It's not something that you do, well, here, let me plug in for a while, Ooh, and then go on. It's an ongoing process. The vine, excuse me, the branch never leaves the vine. Never leaves the vine. We always need to be plugged into the source. 
always worshiping, always praying, always learning, and always serving and growing. And I'm not trying to be legalistic here. This comes out of a love for Jesus Christ. Doesn't come out of somebody saying, you better serve, you better do this. No, I'm not saying that. If you hear that, you're hearing me wrongly. I'm not saying that. Then we get to verse 11. He said, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I love that. These things I've spoken to you, all these things. I'm sure, I'm sure the disciples, man, they probably, what things? Holy mackerel, you've already said 500 things. Which one? Which one? I think he's talking about abiding in him. These things I've said to you, this new relationship. It's not just any joy. It's complete joy. It's full joy. You cram that joy and you're overflowing into your joy. There's a popular belief out there. And it's out there. That people think that Christians all are lemming-sucking people. <laughs> think we're all sour and we're just, you know, prissy and ugh. think we're holier than now. No. We're full of joy and peace. We're full of joy and peace. Because we know our Savior, and we know He lives, and we know He'll be with Him someday. We, we know that He loved us and went to a cross for us, and that gives us total peace. It gives us total joy, even in the midst of the horrible circumstances. Those horrible circumstances. My daughter, who, who doesn't know Christ, was angry at me and Beatrice at our son's funeral because we had joy, because we had peace. And she didn't think we mourned enough. Because she doesn't know. She didn't know that that peace kept us going. It's that peace that continues to help us move forward. We can be that way because of the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. We can be that way because of abiding in Him and clinging to Him and never letting Him go. There's a old hymn that we used to sing in Sunday school. Jesus is wanting you to abide in him today. He wants you to continue to abide in him, to continue to remain in him, continue to depend upon him. He needs that connection never to be broken. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. He's giving you an invitation today. He's making the invitation loud and clear. He's asking you all that have heard his call to accept his sacrifice upon a cross. Ask for the forgiveness of sin. Be filled again with the Holy Spirit. Be born again into a living hope. Confess to the, with, the, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And come into this glorious kingdom and abide in him. And he will send his Holy Spirit to dwell in you. He will give you a down payment. You don't have to worry about losing it because he's going to put it inside you. And we abide in him and he becomes our life. Yes, my life is hidden in Christ. For me to live is Christ. And to die would be gain. I choose to serve him. And it's a choice. It's a choice. Accept Christ into your heart. And allow him to do a mighty work that he's longing to do. And bring forth much fruit as you abide in in him. You are a sure.
The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at assurehoperadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.